Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. First of all, uh, welcome Cedar Rapids. Uh, Welton, all of you online, we're just so glad you're here. There's going to be some stuff that really applies to all of us today, no matter where you're at. Um, sometimes you go someplace and you, and you just sense immediately. Uh, sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's not, but something's off here. Something's amiss. Something's happened that isn't quite right. And so, uh, if you were in Finley, Ohio in 1984, um, I was, and uh, you walked into the fellowship uh, hall of Weinberger Theological Seminary, uh, you would find uh, at, uh, on one day of the week, all the students gathered there after chapel, the weekly chapel, and they were, um, had a break between uh, that and the next class. And so, um, you would f- see some people getting coffee, uh, maybe getting a snack of some sort, some talking about papers they were doing or, or, or Greek. Um, <laughs> I didn't talk about Greek. Uh, and uh, someone you would see um, playing ping pong or watching playing ping pong. That's the official sport of uh, seminary at Weinberg Theological Seminary. So, um, uh, and on this given day, uh, we had quite an occurrence. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Boom! And smoke came out of the kitchen, and Dolphus came out of the kitchen. He said, Oh, oh! <laughs> and Tim, standing nearby, said, What happened, Dolphus? He said, said My donut blew up! And, and he put a jelly donut in the microwave. And, and Tim said, well, how long did you put it in for? And Dolphus said, just five minutes. <laughs> At which, of course, everyone's just roaring, laughing as the smoke is still coming out of the... And the laughter's covering the uh, smoke alarm and the fire alarm that saw it set off. And it wasn't until 10 minutes later until the fire alarm got, got reset and... Uh, uh, everyone was sort of back to normal, except for Adolphus. Um, <laughs> uh, he was constantly reminded, uh, willingly by many of us, uh, of his uh, culinary prowess and uh, how proud we were of him. So uh, sometimes you just feel things a little off. Uh, some of you will remember uh, this past Thursday, two weeks, two uh, years ago, when the derecho came storming through. And so um, there wasn't anybody in, in the Life Church area who wasn't affected by Doratio. And if you're looking online somewhere else and you say, Doratio, what in the world is that? Well, uh, join, join with us. We had no idea either until two years ago. And uh, it really is a meteorological term, uh, uh, and it essentially means an inline hurricane. And uh, all of us were affected by it, but no group of people were affected by it more than the people in Cedar Rapids, as our Cedar Rapids campus is very, very well aware. In fact, um, Abby Beckett, the wife of our uh, campus pastor, Jairus Beckett in Cedar Rapids, um, wrote this encounter. She did two years ago after what had happened, but this is kind of a follow-up. And, and she wrote this Thursday and pasted, uh, posted it on Facebook. 
Abby says this. As traumatic as this day two years ago was, I never want to forget God's hand of protection over us. I'll never forget the feelings of being in that tiny closet in the basement, along with my two babies and my 60-pound dog for 50 minutes, hoping my husband was safe, cut off from communication with anyone, fearing that the house would soon collapse on top of us, and that we may just die there together, praying desperately that the Lord would shield us. All I can say is thank you, Jesus. It's been two years since this unheard of storm with hurricane-like winds up to 140 miles an hour ripped through our city, destroyed buildings, homes, and more than 65% of our city's tree canopy. Old, beautiful trees that were once lined the streets, shaded our yards and made our neighborhoods beautiful. There are way less trees now than there were before. There are empty yards and stumps where trees once stood, but this summer is the first time in two years that the trees that are still standing and with summer leaves look less obviously damaged. They're slowly filling out again, filling in the spaces of lost limbs and trying to look normal again. Canopy-wise, our city will never look the way it did before. But we're all, our trees and our people, growing and changing continually despite the damage. Some of you, maybe you live in Cedar Rapids or maybe you work in Cedar Rapids. Uh, many of us, not being in either of those two categories, nevertheless, have reason to go to Cedar Rapids very regularly, or did after all that. And you would have been astonished, astonished at the wreckage. And um, right along with this, Abby posted pictures at their house of trees down and leaning on the house and stuff like that. But uh, that was just so common everywhere. And there's still uh, a few places piles that still assurance uh, disputes or whatever that have not been completely taken care of and, and areas not yet completely fixed, but um, there's a process going on. At that time, the atmosphere, the climate all around Cedar Rapids changed very dramatically. And it's only gradually changing back. There's no mistake if you went there that something had happened. Okay. Visually, it was uh, very um, able to be seen. And so um, I want to talk to you today about uh, somewhat a related topic uh, about when the climate changes. I'm going to talk to you about gospel climate change. Now, now don't panic. Uh, I'll explain that term in just a minute. It's a loaded term, but gospel climate change. The last several weeks, we've been on this series that's called uh, Open the Door and Let Them In. M, them, is people who do not know Jesus. And the subtitle of the series is Making It Easy for People to Find Jesus at Life Church. And so uh, the first week we uh, talked about the gospel truth, the fact that Jesus is the reason we're here. He came to seek and save those who were lost, 
to save us from our sins and to give us eternal life in heaven after we depart this earth. And he's the only one who can do that. We can't do it for ourselves. Uh, no other uh, savior is available to do that. Jesus, Jesus alone is the way to God and the way to salvation. All right, so this week two we talked about uh, who shut the door in the first place. If we're trying to get the door open, uh, for people to become believers more easily in this area, how is it that, that the door got shut? Uh, why is it not so easy for people to come to Jesus at this point in time? And, and, and we wrestled with the fact that many American churches um, have gotten distracted with great intentions about discipleship. And, and so we, we've developed all kinds of programs and interest groups and need meeting stuff inside the church. All of which, which is, uh, most of it is, is fairly legitimate. But it has completely overtaken that whole mentality of taking care of ourselves has completely overtaken the mission of the church which should be what Jesus' mission was. To proclaim the gospel to those who need to know that Jesus is their savior and he will forgive their sins and give them eternal life. So uh, that's what brings us today. We are uh, going, to, going to address gospel climate change. Now, I'm not talking about atmospheric dynamics in the world. That's a loaded term and all kinds of stuff goes with that. I'm talking about uh, dimension, a feel, um, a context, climate in this area where we all live, where people are not prone and sometimes very hostile to a message about Jesus. And so living in this area, especially uh, in a very highly educated environment, there are all kinds of dynamics that, that would say, uh, you know, religions, some, most times it's not said quite like this, it's more polite, but uh, uh, religion or this Jesus thing is for people who need a crutch, and you know, it's dumb, it, it doesn't have, uh, so-and-so, if you read this, count back here, da 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 And so we have just settled for ourselves, though, but the scripture is true, and Jesus is the only way to, to salvation. So, uh, how do we get the message out uh, when it seems so difficult to do so. Let's look at uh, a, a passage in, oh, let's look at, uh, remind ourselves of the um, definition of the gospel. The gospel is, and gospel uh, means good news. It's just the, with the definition of the word, good news. The good news that Jesus is God's provision to save us from sin, give us eternal life, all of which we cannot do on our own. That's the gospel. People talk about the gospel all the time uh, in, in, in Christian circles, in church circles, and they use it to mean all kinds of things, goodness, love, et cetera, et cetera. But as we looked at last week, the gospel, excuse me, two weeks ago, the gospel is very clearly defined, and it's a narrow message, and the message is uh, it's good news that Jesus came to save you from your sin because you couldn't do it for yourself, and you are a sinner, and to give you eternal life. Life here and now, 
and life in the hereafter. So that's the good news. That's what we're trying to proclaim. And that's what we're trying to change the climate about with regard to receiving such a message. So let's go to Paul in 2 Corinthians. Uh, we're look at the, the end of 2 Corinthians 3, and it goes on this passage, uh, continues on in chapter 4. The, the insertion of chapter number 4, uh, as you know, hopefully, that those chapters and verse numbers are man-added. They did not come with the original inspired uh, writing from God. And so sometimes uh, we now go, and so historically, even in other translations, the, the first place, the first translation that put a uh, number, chapter number, uh, verse number in has just been retained forever and ever. So everyone even looking between translations is reading the same verse when you say Second uh, Corinthians 4, 3. But four being in here in the first place is a divider between chapter three and four is really kind of a, a mistake, a big mistake, because it's, they're all talking about this same topic. And so we'll go uh, first to the end of chapter three and then to the beginning of chapter four. Uh, so chapter three, if the ministry, this is Paul writing, if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? <laughs> and you go, oh, okay. And you go, I don't get it. What a place to jump in, Wayne. I don't even understand what that means. And, and I understand that. So, but it's essential to our understanding of what comes. And, and, and we're going to look at this verse, and I'll do some other explanation rather than reading all the verses that are part of this explanation that don't really explain to those of us who are not familiar with Old Testament stuff. Okay? So, here's the deal. Paul says, the ministry that brought condemnation. Ministry. He calls, and he's, he's referring to uh, the giving of the law, the Old Testament law, through Moses. Uh, Moses had an encounter, several encounters with God on Mount Sinai, in which the, what we generally refer to as the Ten Commandments were given to him, given to him twice, because he, in anger at his, at his people, broke the first set. But really, it wasn't just the Ten Commandments, it was all of the rules and regulations for the Jewish people to operate. Defining what it was meant to be a follower of God a perfect and pure person. So if you were to read all of, uh, especially the last half of um, Genesis 35, uh, chapter 35, you'll get all of this stuff. All of these very, very detailed things about how you worship when you can uh, brush your teeth and uh, not quite that, but Things just as mundane as that. Just, it's, it's incredible bedtime reading because you'll be out just like that. Uh, so, so this ministry that brought condemnation was glorious. Now, now this ministry, the giving of the law. Uh, Moses, one of the times when he went up and got part of, the, part of all these instructions, he encountered God in such an incredible fashion uh, that the radiance of God, although he did not see God's face, we're told, the radiance of God lasted and dwelt on his face. And so when he came down, at first he didn't know that was happening, but there was a brilliance of blinding uh, that uh, the people couldn't even stand really to look at very longly. So, but it was a mark. It was a mark. This is from God. 
I'm not, I wasn't just off and, uh, you know, smoking some weed I found out here uh, while I was away. Uh, this is from God. These, these things are from God that I'm bringing to you. Massive and, and incredibly hard as they are. But so this ministry, giving of the law, it brought condemnation. But it was glorious. It was glorious because of this stamp of God's presence upon it. But it brought condemnation. Romans, uh, the whole book of Romans, especially the first part of it, really makes a big deal about the whole point of the law, the Old Testament, if you want to put it in that language, for us. The whole point was to define how utterly impossible it is for human beings to satisfy God's perfection. And so, so I, I know it's just, uh, you look at some of the stuff and you scratch your head and you go, good gravy. And, and, and you go, what in the world? Uh, but that's the whole point. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. So the ministry that brought condemnation that showed us how pathetic we are, they give you the law, it was glorious because it revealed a perfection from God anyway. How much more glorious, though, is the ministry that brings righteousness, the death of Jesus? And if that was transitory, the ministry that brought condemnation, and it came with glory, how much more greater is the glory of that which lasts, the ministry of Jesus, okay? Now, you have to take my word for that, but I'll I'll verify that here in just a minute, that that's what all that means. Uh, Remember this, in in, uh, John um, John 3, 16 says, uh, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn. Now the law came and it condemned. It brought condemnation. It said, hey, here's how you measure up to God. You can't. Yeah, it was that shrill squeal. Yeah. Uh, you can't. Okay. But the whole objective was to save the world through Jesus. And we needed salvation because the the law was there to prove for the Jewish people that that you are in a condition that you really don't know how bad it is. I'm defining how bad it is. You and your humanity have no ability to match up and to please God. Now, uh, so then, let's go on to the next verse. Therefore, since we, the believers now, Paul says, since we have such a hope, the hope that that everlasting uh, covenant ministry of Jesus is of far greater glory since we have that hope. And by the way, a hope in the New Testament is not hope as we define hope. Hope as we define hope is a... Maybe it'll happen, you know. But in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, hope means an utter assurance of something not yet transpired. Now, isn't that faith? Well, yes, it's an extension of faith. Okay. It's about not the present, but the future. Something that's been said that's promised by God, it's a hope, but it's a certainty, not a hope like we define hope. Okay. Since we have this hope, we are very bold, very confident. We are certain of our position in Jesus. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away because this brilliance faded eventually. And so, so there was an end to that gloriousness about it for those who were seeing it at that moment in time, but there's no end to the implication of the work of Jesus. 
It's a lasting, completely glorious, completely effective, forever and all times ministry, all right? So, <clears throat> now, here's, here, here's something just to think about. Um, you know, I, I know people look at the Old Testament, they go, good gravy. Um, uh, what, what, a, what a mishmash of stuff. The characters in here, some of the, some of the people that God you know, seems to be okay with, uh, they had multiple wives. You know, the misogyny that went on was just astonishing. Some of these people were, 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 were complicit in murders. And this <laughs> is what we're supposed to think is, is grand and glorious. Here we go, next. But their minds back then, they were made dull. For to this day, the same veil covers, remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Next. Even to this day, when Moses is read, uh, even to the day then, or even now, he would say, a, 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 when Moses is read, the scriptures of the Old Testament, let's put it in this context, a veil covers people's hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So let's just be honest. If you are not a believer in Jesus, you look at the Old Testament and you go, I, I, um, very interesting stories. Some of these would make great movies. The plot lines are so ridiculous and heinous and, and um, unbelievable. But to put, but this is just supposed to be a description of someone I value, someone I follow, God, in that way. And what isn't able to be understood is this. When you come to Jesus, you begin. You begin, I understand the Old Testament is hard for those of us who have no Jewish history. But you begin to understand that God uh, took humankind at the very uh, beginning of history when he introduced himself to the nation of Israel, just like he takes us individuals right where we're at. So we don't have to clean ourselves up. We don't have to make ourselves right with God. As individuals, it takes us right where we're at. We learn more. Our behavior changes over time, but he takes us right where we're at. When he introduced himself to the nation of Israel and said, you are my people, and here's the standards. Here's how we're going to operate. Uh, he still did it in the context of the history which they were in. And so, so they knew about sacrificing animals for, for, to appease the gods. Uh, but he changed focuses a little bit. Uh, so when you get to the New Testament, you no longer have sacrifices of bulls and goats and blood everywhere. You just have the death of Jesus once and for all for everybody. You don't have multiple spouses anymore. Just one man, one woman married together. And, and that's, the, that's the standard. So you can't, uh, so, so people have no way of even appreciating that. If you're a Christian, you can appreciate that. Oh, God was at the beginning uh, instituting a long and purposeful plan to introduce himself in magnificent form to all of creation over time, even though I think it's really been so long, too long, God. Come on, God. What in the world, God? Um, not so in his, in his timing. So, even if you have difficulty in certain parts of, of, of the, the Old Testament, understanding certain things, I get that. Um, but, 
You at least can have some appreciation when someone explains some of these dynamics to you. All right? So, but the fact is, a veil covers uh, their minds and their hearts so they can't understand it. Unbelievers. Uh, Now, uh, let's go to Ephesians 4. Now, Paul's saying about what he's doing now, he says, and even if our gospel is supposedly veiled, he was getting a lot of criticism from people about, is he real? Should he be listened to? Do we need letters of approval from him? Uh, Maybe we do. Uh, We don't really know. Uh, I like the evangelist that came through last week. He was much better. He was much more charismatic and all that kind of stuff. And so, so, so he said, even if the gospel that we preach is veiled, and some people don't get it, it's veiled to those who are perishing, who've not encountered Jesus and are, in fact, on their way to hell. The God of this age, Satan, has blinded their minds, veiled it, put blinders over, block out curtains, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. So we have, a, we, we have a, a, a problem. There are forces that we do not see that are part of this uh, obfuscating the clarity of the gospel of Jesus, which is why you can say, I, 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 this is so, so obvious to me. It makes so much sense. I look at creation, and, and I've had some, some, some science. No, I'm not an astrophysicist, but I get the fact that how ludicrous it is that this just blew up out of nowhere and this uh, organized mass that we have now called Earth and humanity uh, came out of nothing that developed on its own as opposed to a a God creating it. And so that's, Romans says, yeah, the, the things that most of us think are right, the wise, knowledgeable, informed people in this world are prone to think is foolishness because there's a deception involved. I mean, it's an utter deception, but it's come from uh, a very predictable force. So, even if the gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Now, this reminds us, though, of another scripture many of you have heard in Ephesians, which says this. Our struggle is, our, the believer's struggle is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Against spiritual forces. When we wrestle against, uh, for the things of God, we're wrestling against forces that we don't even see. Now, here's a problem. As Americans, we have to first say, I believe there are unseen forces. There's a force for good and there's a force for bad. I'm given the freedom to cooperate with whoever I want to, but the force led by Jesus wins ultimately. God's God's proving that. The death of Jesus and his resurrection that he conquered death uh, proves that. But for a time, Satan's still allowed to uh, mess with people's lives. And that's what he wants to do. Now, however, our notion is... uh, People hate us. People don't like our message. Uh, the professor, um, my roommate, uh, whatever. But it says our struggle is not against real life people. Ultimately, that's not where it comes from. But 
The struggle is against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. So it's those unforeseen forces. All kinds of terms they use to describe them, and maybe they mean different levels of authority. I don't know. Some people try to make that statement, but the bottom line is this. We have a problem. <laughs> it's caused by outside forces who do not want people to hear the message of Jesus. Even though this, the next verse, is what we want for them. For God who said, the God who said, in the beginning of time in Genesis, let there be, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our dark hearts, and gave us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And so, if that's what we want to happen for our family, our friends, the people around us, then we have to do something about this blinding veil. Which brings us to what I'm proposing, uh, an action that I've, I've, I've been engaged in for a number of years, ever since I've been in this area and understood the, the strength of the spiritual strongholds, and is this, we need to pray, Lord, lift the veil. There's an understanding that is obfuscated, is completely covered over for people to accept, be open to whatsoever uh, the message of Jesus just because Satan has blinded their eyes. They're blind. If you want someone to see the, the grandeur and glory of something, uh, you drive them, as I'm planning to do a little bit later in October, to the Grand Canyon, and you describe it for them, uh, and they have their eyes shut the entire time. They don't get it. All right? Same true about anything. And so, um, how do eyes get open? Lord, lift the veil. Lift the veil. Lift the veil. Lift the veil. Salvation come. Salvation come. Now, you, you don't even need anyone to cooperate with you in this. You don't need anyone's permission. They don't need to hear you pray. You'll be in your car driving around and somebody walks out in front of you, jaywalking downtown Iowa City or Cedar Rapids or wherever, and you go, <clears throat> or you can go, Lord, lift the veil, salvation in Jesus' name. What about if you go here? You're in Wilton and you drive past the bank, drive past Casey's, drive past one of the other churches in town, Drive past the school. Lord, lift the veil. Lord, lift the veil. Lord, lift the We're changing the gospel atmosphere. The atmosphere for the gospel. Lord, lift the veil. Next, still in Wharton, you go to a parade. You go downtown for some event. You, uh, you go past City Hall and, and, and the police chief's office and, and all those things downtown. Lord, lift the veil. You're right beside a specific person and you just feel burden for them. Lord, praying to yourself, Lord, lift the veil. Salvation come. Salvation come in Jesus' name. Or you're here. You're in Cedar Rapids. You see Mays Island. You drive across the river. You see the markers downtown, the stuff that's very familiar to you. And, and you say, Lord, lift the veil. You take your kids to school. You go to the high school. You go to one of the elementaries, the th three high schools or the four high schools. You go, go all the way around town. You have markers, the places where you go, the outskirts of the city. You come in on Interstate uh, 380. You come down north from Interstate 380. You come into the city. Lord, lift the veil off of this place. Change the climate. Bring salvation in Jesus' name. 
or you're here. Oh my gosh, this is, uh, this is downtown Cedar Rapids. This is going to happen, uh, I think, this coming weekend. The um, market, night out market, night out market, uh, which is a big event. Uh, but people are just having great, Lord, lift the veil when we get together for the Freedom Fest. Lord, lift the veil, all those kinds of things. And, and you just have the opportunities to encounter people and be, be, be punctuated by God and moved by him. I don't know what to do, but God, lift the veil here in Jesus' name. And when God comes, uh, there's something going on with the person and, and belief at the same time. He comes, they're softening, uh, they're responding, he's responding, and at some point, the turn changes for an individual person and even for an individual climate uh, in a city. So here we go. So maybe some of you have been here. <laughs> maybe some of you were there last week. Uh, maybe yesterday. Maybe you're going this afternoon. Or any other big marker place, uh, you're coming in, uh, you see Extreme Arena on First Avenue at the other end of Coralville. Uh, you come uh, uh, to any of the places in, in, in Coralville, you come here, you go by other churches, you go, Lord, lift the veil in this city. Lord, come, salvation come in Jesus' name. Or maybe it's here, Fourth Fest, or uh, all kinds of things. Maybe, maybe you're just going to swim sometime this week with your kids. Lord, lift the veil. Well, all the encounters that we have with people are the opportunities for us to say, God, intervene. God, move. Salvation, come. Maybe you've been here. <laughs> or watch people being here. Whatever. They Lord, lift the veil. This is incredibly impressive. Why would people not be impressed? But God, I ask you, make yourself famous in this place. Jesus, lift the veil so people can see. All right, which brings us back. The bottom line is we're praying, Lord, see, this is hard, right? Lord, lift the veil. Can you remember that? Lord, lift the veil. And you're helping to change the gospel climate in Cedar Rapids, in Coralville, Iowa City, Wilton, Tiffin, North Liberty, all these places wherever you go. So I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I'll ask you to uh, close your eyes, bow your head. <clears throat> I would like you to just uh, see in your, in your mind the person uh, who you most often encounter or interact with at your place of employment. Or the person... Uh, who just comes to your mind right now that's in the class with you. Say, Lord, lift the veil. Lord, lift the veil in Jesus' name. Salvation, 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 salvation in Jesus' name. You have a neighbor. Maybe they're right in, down the hallway. Maybe in an apartment across the hall. Maybe they're down the street. Maybe they're right of you. Maybe they're left of you. Maybe they're behind you. Jesus, 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 lift the veil in Jesus' name. All right. Thank you. Hey, what we're about here is we're trying, we're trying to open the door, right? Open the door. It's a lot like a spigot. You're trying to get the it on and at first if it's an old crusty over spigot it, it starts to drip or or flow just a little bit and we're trying to get it all the way open or more fully open 
Last Sunday, we had four people indicate that they wanted more information and wanted to talk about Jesus. And a, and a couple of these follow through, and we've actually had conversations with them. That's not a big deal. But the spigot's on. Let's be an open the door kind of church that participates in changing the spiritual climate in the places we go. So, Lord, lift the veil. Amen. Hey, in a few moments, we're to stand up as we always do sing one more song. If you have never given your life to Jesus, never said, Jesus, I trust you to be God of my life, not me to be God of my life. It's simple to do. You can just say, right now, God, thank you for Jesus. I believe he's your son. I believe he gave his life for my sin. Thank you for forgiving my sin. I believe I am now saved in Jesus' name. Would you tell us about that? Either someone up here at the front or on, on, on a card uh, uh, with the code on, on the card in the front of you or fill it out. Just let us know so we know how to, how to help you to forward. Um, maybe you are uh, wrestling with something as uh, Pastor Chris and Pastor Josh mentioned this morning you came in with. Some heaviness of some sort. It doesn't matter what it is. Many of us need prayer. We need prayer all the time. And right here in the body of believers, there's faith already working with the ability to come and receive prayer. At the front of the rooms in all of our locations are... Uh, members of the prayer team. At the moment we stand up, it'll be easy for you to get out and slip past the people because we'll all be standing uh, and, uh, and you can go right then. You don't have to wait till the song is over. We're asking that everyone stays all the way through. This is a very important time. Believers, you're praying people across the line, right? That's what you're doing right now. You're engaged. And uh, Lord, in Jesus' name, everyone who needs prayer, I ask you to draw them to come. Let's stand.